Welcome to Next Level Shit, where our host, Dave Warner, digs out the best of the best of our guests and discusses the things that put you on a quest to rise above the rest. He'll tease out their backgrounds, their motivations, their struggles, how they got to where they are today, and we'll have fun doing it. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, and tell your friends. Now, sit back, sip on a cold one, and enjoy the show. Next Level Shit. Hey, what's up, Laura? How are you doing? Hi, David. Sorry about that. (laughs) Oh, everything's good. So I just wanted to jump in, get to uh, review some of your uh, businesses to kind of start out. We'll jump back kind of right where we were at. Um, So we're going to jump into iLocal, if you can tell me a little bit about that and uh, how you guys started that and uh, kind of go from there. Awesome. Yeah, so iLocal, we started that in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And most of our clients are still in Grand Rapids. iLocal is an online marketing um, and advertising company. So we offer full service advertising and marketing uh, solutions and, um, you know, online SEO, search engine, social media, websites, analyticals and all that. My husband, he pretty much handles that part of the business. And my side of the business is Beautiful Potential which we um, have an um, have a beauty salon here in Elgin. And um, we also have a photography studio. So Beautiful Potential offers beauty, branding, and business solutions. So um, our clients can come in here and they can have their hair and makeup done all on site for pictures. So for bridal, for events, for prom, well, not that that's going on right now but <laughs> <laughs> but in a typical scenario um for prom or any any other events or even just if they want to feel and look good for their husbands pictures for any of that um but we offer all of that here and we have a unique salon and boutique here where we cater to women um from a personal and professional development standpoint from um, helping them with their image um, offline as well as helping them with their uh, online branding and creating that image for them online as well. Beautiful. And then, I mean, I want to give you a lot of credit. You don't seem to speak to uh, a lot of the things that you do behind the scenes, but I mean, you, you kicked ass building out that facility and just, I seen a lot of the posings you were doing, the progress you were doing, the, the decorating, the, build out itself and the late nights that went into it. And it's, <laughs> and it's a beautiful facility. You did a very nice job. Thank you. I was a handyman as well. <laughs> you know, when, when, when you don't have any other option, you, you figure it out. Right. And thank God yes. for YouTube. Thank God for so, YouTube. Yeah. Thank you. It was fun. It was really fun. Ready to do it again. <laughs> um, maybe not quite yet, but <laughs> But I love I love the place. I love being here. I love the colors, like the vibe in here. You know, it's really nice. So you guys' businesses can kind of feed back and forth. I mean, somebody can come in for, you know, you're, you do some coaching, and then you can kind of turn them over to the iLocal part to do a lot of the online marketing. And, uh, you know, that that's going to be huge for the smaller Definitely. mom and pop shops and everybody to be able to, 
survive in this this weirdness that we have right now. I know, you know, you look at Amazon and everyone else that has these massive online presence having these compounding growths and, you know, yes. little mom and pop shops are going to be struggling. So I think they're going to start focusing some more of their marketing dollars and their budgeting to getting that online presence and getting that SEO up and, and starting to get some of that traffic back and tr- probably changing the way that they do business. I mean, yes. it, you know, I haven't, everybody said that this lockdown was super, super weird. I'm like, why? If I go someplace, <laughs> I usually travel, right? I'm like my groceries, I've always had delivered. Yeah. I, I don't go out a lot. I'm like, so oh. I was kind of already at that. Like I'm home most of the time and have my groceries delivered. It was like, the grocery stores are crazy. I was like, I haven't been there in two years. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So you so, are already prepared. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing we do too here, um, you know, cause some of our clients, they are on these Zoom calls and, you know, um, really important calls. And a lot of them don't really know how to do their own hair and makeup, but they still want to look presentable online. So we have our media room where they come in, we'll do their hair and makeup, we'll fix the lighting, we'll fix all the audio and things for them to like be ready to go live. So that's really unique too. You make me look beautiful, then you. Yeah. Then you... <laughs> <laughs> we'll trim you up. Yeah. We'll, you know, we'll give you a nice fade. <laughs> I was say I'm full time job. I dress like a homeless guy, so good luck. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. And we also have like a little boutique here where if they didn't like what they wore, they can they can go in the clothing room and you know pick out what they want, or they can purchase some of the clothing here too. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And yeah. I see you, you do some coaching and training and stuff like that. And personally, that's mm-hmm. that's my favorite part about business is, you know, I volunteer for the SBA here in the Grand Rapids area and they'll call me up and they'll say, hey, here's somebody that wants to get into the federal contracting space and they don't know where to start. And just sitting down with those people, developing processes and help them come up with where to start, what to do, how to do these things. Uh, that's, that's my favorite part of doing what I do is just the volunteer part of meeting those people. And, uh, yeah, do you, so do you kind of, I mean, it's almost like a, a machine that somebody comes in through the coaching training can go to the beautiful potential and then <laughs> use the I local, I mean, kind yeah. of a self feeding, you know, machine there. Definitely. So that's, that's very nice. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, um, the coaching side, yes, we'll do business coaching, people that need direction on what to do with their business, how to grow their business, you know, and things like that. So we'll we'll give them some feedback and direction on that aspect as well. Fantastic. Where where, where do you think your drive comes from? My I mean, the, the late nights, the ass kicking, the, the just pushing and pushing. Where do you think you get that from? <laughs> I've always, I've worked since I was 13, so I don't know if I've ever just sat still, which that's why quarantine was so hard for me. I just love creating. I love, you know, um, thinking up new things. And most importantly, I love giving back and I love helping people. Um, That's where my drive is. That's where my passion is. Who else can I help? What can I do today to help somebody grow? I think it stems from you know, my own personal journey, you know, coming here as a refugee, not really knowing direction, but had it not been for the amazing people along the way, call them my guardian angels that kind of helped us get here and get established and, 
No, it wasn't for the people, the mentors along the way. I don't think I would be where I am today. So I just wanted to kind of show people that no matter where you came from, no matter what your circumstances, it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can break the boundaries and you can break into something different and you can truly have the life that you've always wanted and you can design a life that you are happy with, you know? So that's where you, that you definitely. In. You definitely are the American dream, and I, yes. I love hearing the stories, and that's that's why I really wanted to get you on. What did what did your family just out of curiosity? Mm-hmm. Because my my grandfather, you know, he's from Puerto Rico. My grandmother oh, from okay. Mexico, and and when I went out on my own, they looked at me like, "What's wrong with you? You have a great job where you make great money." <laughs> and they were like, and they were almost like disappointed that I went to work for myself. They're like, "You know, you're just supposed to work, you know, at that yes. one place and have your oh, job," and and they thought I was insane. Yes. Oh my God. So you do have your own business now, right? Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I don't, you know what? Um, something just, you know, you, I don't know if it's signs or if it's just something that you just feel deep inside that just keeps nudging you. Like, this is where you have to go. Like it was so weird. Like last year, last year. So I worked for the company for about five years. I left once and then they called me to come back and I was just, a people person. I was really, I just did my job. I just cared. So that showed up in my numbers. So, I mean, I was bringing in, like, I was breaking records for the company left and right. And so, um, I started having like clients coming in and just telling me like, you're more than this. Like, I mean, strangers telling me that this isn't, I don't see you here. This isn't where you're supposed to be. You know, especially when I share with them my refugee story, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, you need to be out there sharing your story. You need to be out there inspiring other people to do what you do. And so I'm like, no. So I started to, um, I started to feel this nudge to quit my job, to quit my job. And I'm like, no, no, I'm making so much money, you know, like it's sustaining my, you know, with my family and it's helping me, you know, financially. But the thing is, I wasn't fulfilled. It was really draining me. Um, I had people who tell me what to do, when to do it. You know, I was putting in 60 hours a week, you know, and it was now, it was not enough, even though I was bringing the company half a, half a million dollars a month and on an average, um, it wasn't enough for me to be there 60 hours or like they wanted more, you know? So it was one of those things where, you know, as soon as you start to feel that the person that is you're working for doesn't appreciate you and the hard work that you do. And, you know, you start to feel your morale goes down and I'm just like, you know what? I am better than this. Like, I don't need them to, I don't need to be here where someone's not appreciating me. And, you know, so that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just venture off on my own and see where it takes me. And so in December, I decided to leave my job, like, decided to walk out of my job and just fulfill this dream or this, you know, um, nudge that's telling me to come out here and just do it. And so this is what came out of it. (laughs) Beautiful potential. This is what came out of, you know, that. Beautiful. I love it. So let's, let's jump back to uh, your voyage here and, and that, that whole backstory, because I was I was kind of really shocked uh, a couple years ago 
uh, came, my, my son did a, a story. They had a home project and it was basically is the American uh, dream still alive. Not of his whole class, only three kids said yes. And oh, wow. uh, that really kind of shocked me. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, wow, a lot of people just don't even have any idea. And I mean, I didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of either. Yeah. So, I mean, but your story really is inspiring and really fantastic. I've read it um, when you did uh, posts online and different things. Oh, so you. if you could walk us kind of through your journey, that would be fantastic. Yeah, sure. So my father, um, our family's from Laos and a lot of people don't, which is weird. A lot of people don't know what Laos is. It's, um, right next to Thailand in the middle of Cambodia, Vietnam, in that area. And a lot of people also don't know that Laos was a huge part of the Vietnam War. Laos, the country, because of the parts of Laos being in between North and South Vietnam, the Ho Chi Minh Trail was used for American-based, so where they can keep the American, uh, from the North Vietnam from advancing to the South Vietnam. So a secret war was waged on our country by the CIA. And they dropped probably, I think, if I'm correct, like 90 million bombs or something like that. I don't know. They're they're still out there. Yeah, the bombs are still out there killing children and farmers that are, you know, they haven't ignited. And so my father, he was a teacher back in Laos. And during the day, he was a teacher. And then at nighttime... He would be helping the Americans fight against the communists invading Laos. So he would be in the jungles, dressed up disguised and with a gun in his hand shooting, right? So um, when the end of the war happened, uh, American troops pulled out. The communists ended up signing a false peace treaty with Laos that they would, you know, back out or whatever. So let's all put our guns in a warehouse and call it a peace treaty, right? So what they did was when they had all the Laotian, um, the old royal government put their weapons aside, they tricked them. So they ended up capturing all of the people that were soldiers, that were government workers, that believed in the royal Lao government. And they captured and tortured them, put them in these re, they called it re-education camps. So to where they can brainwash them to have them conform to the new way of government. Well, my dad, he was um, captured. He was one of the people that were captured. So he was a prisoner of war for two years. So he got captured when he crossed over from Thailand after dropping my mother off to see her family in Thailand. He crossed over to go back to his teaching position. And that's when they thought he was a spy or whatever. It was the case. They captured him, captured my uncle, um, and a couple of my uncles were tortured by the communists. Two were killed. Well, probably more, but the two that, you know, I hear often about one was buried alive in front of the villagers and the other one was used as a target practice. And so they killed him. But um, that was their fear tactic. They brought the villagers to come watch him while he was buried alive. And so my father, he had the will to survive. Like my mom, she was pregnant with my second oldest brother. And he had, you know, his family to go back to. My mom had no idea that he was captured. And so my father, after a couple of years um, as a prisoner of war, he was released to a less um, a less secured area where they gave him a position as a security guard. He was still a hostage, but... 
a little more flexibility and a little more leniency. So he was um, a security guard for the capital in Vientiane. And so he had like kind of befriended some of the civilians there and a couple of the guys that he became friends with or was already friends with, they plotted their escape. And so they plotted this escape and uh, they, um, they went for it. One of the guys made a fake ID for my dad and they met like somewhere in, at their meeting spot with the weapons and everything. And my dad used the fake ID. He disguised himself. He got on the bus and the three men all, you know, got on the bus. And then when they went near their escape route, they jumped off the bus and swam across the river and walked about five days in the jungle. And at one point, there were some other um, civilians that spotted them and they were trying to tell the the communists, you know, like, hey, we've got some prisoners, escapees or whatever. And so my dad had to shoot them. So he killed about three of them, him and his friends. So because either that or the communists will come and kill him. So they continued on their journey. And one of the guy's dad left a little small boat and that would be their escape boat. And when my dad came across the boat, he just basically, he said he fell to his knees and as he's reliving the story to me, you could, you could tell that the emotions were coming back. I mean, he froze as he's telling me the story and his tears just started like coming down his eyes. Yeah, I can't, and I, I know, can't imagine. He's like, you know, I fell to my knees when I opened up the blanket underneath the boat, there were food and money and, you know, things. And he hadn't ate in like five days or whatever. And <clears throat> so he was starving. And so they just ate the food and, they decided that they weren't going to go over to Thailand right away. So him and his friends got on the on the boat and they paddled to a little small swampland to wait till the morning time because if they went at night, they would get killed, being mistake as the enemy from the Thai border patrol. And so they um, kind of rounded each other up in the swamp. They were underneath like a bunch of swamp and darkness and yucky stuff, mushy stuff. And so... They kind of like made a pact that, hey, if we're going to get out of here together, if we die, we all die together, you know. So he said it was an emotional moment that they had during that time. And the next morning, they paddled over to Thailand and the Thai patrol were trying to wave them to go back to Laos. And my dad and his friends just put their arms up and surrendered, like, don't send us back, send us back, kill us, you know. So, so the, the older gentleman, he said, was like older gentleman. He waved, sorry for them. He could tell that they're you know struggling with something. So he waved them in and he fed them rice and um, fish. And he's like, well, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna help you. Um, you're gonna get back in the boat and you're just gonna let it go with the current until you hear the border patrol on the other end call for you, and you're going to give him your boat in exchange for his help to get you into the refugee camps, the area where, you know, the um, people that were escaped are at. <clears throat> so that's what he did. So he went and found my mother. She thought he was dead and they reunited and rekindled. And then that's when I was born. I am the love child of their, <laughs> of their um, re reunion. So um, I was born 
basically into poverty, homeless. You know, we were waiting for the refugee camps to open. There were so many people that tried to escape. Some didn't make it. Some were killed. As I hear stories, um, some of the people who were trying to escape, they had to push away dead bodies out of their way to escape over to Thailand. And so it was really crazy. Uh, So we stayed in the refugee camps for when we finally were able to get in. We lived in there um, for maybe about a couple years. And it was basically a tent. um, And we just had our own little area. The food source was very limited. We only counted on the aid that came through. So as you see my picture, you'll see my my uh, my hands and arms and legs were super skinny. It was very bony. I was like the poster child, um, like you see on TV, <laughs> with the big head and the small skinny body and big stomach. So that's from starvation. And my skin was peeling because of the filth in the camps. So... When we finally got sponsored here to America, it was 1979. It was in the middle of winter. I believe it was the heaviest snowstorm in Chicago. And so we were heading to Tennessee, but then we got snowbound in Chicago. We had a layover here in Chicago, but then we ended up not being able to get out. So we walked into Chicago O'Hare Airport with just basically our sandals in the middle of winter, sandals, shorts, a tank top, no English. And my dollar, my dad had $40 in his pocket. So we had. So, so did they like sponsor your family to get over here? Did like, how did, how did that, how did the extraction from that camp happen? So in order to get out of the camps, Um, our profile, it's kind of like adopting a child or adopting a pet. We had to get kind of adopted, but in a case where it's adults, it's sponsored, right? So, so our Mm -hmm. description and our information would be sent all over the world to the allied countries. And we would just hope and pray that somebody would spot us and say, wait, we want to sponsor this family. So that's why it took two years because, you know, not many people would want that responsibility of sponsoring a huge family of five. So the church, uh, First Presbyterian Church in Tennessee, they they started a refugee committee. And um, I think we were in their history book. We're one of the first refugees that they sponsored and um Basically, they raised $4,000 and they were sent like hundreds of different profiles. And the ladies at the church sat around a coffee table one night and it, they just went through the hundreds of profiles that they, they, they were given and they selected us. And they specifically selected us because, you know, they thought, well, the children are young and they can adapt better. And my dad, he was a French teacher or he was a general ed teacher, but he spoke French. And so they thought maybe they can get a French translator. We'd adapt better. So they picked us to come here and they helped us get on our feet and everything. So that's kind of how that works. Um, so, so they were waiting for us um, at the airport after we were snowbound in Chicago. We flew there, I think, the next morning. And it consisted of like three couples One of them was actually a news reporter. She was one of our sponsors from the church, or she was on the sponsoring committee um, at the church. 
And so that's why I have so many articles and newspaper clippings from that time when we came. She wrote so many articles about us. I mean, like the whole town basically took care of us. We were like a commodity. You know, my my dad spoke about how we would just be sitting in the in the room in the house and people would come in and out taking pictures and the news people camera people, the media would come and take pictures of us and stuff. And so the whole town took care of us and, you know, and got us on our feet. And then we found out that we had family in Chicago area, Elgin. And so um, my dad, after eight or nine months living in Kingsport, Tennessee, my uncle brought a U-Haul to pick us up. So that's how we ended up in Elgin. And um, there was a lot of Laotian in Elgin that it was also there because the YWCA also had like a refugee committee there and they were sponsoring refugees from the camps in Thailand. So, yeah. Wow. Well, that's amazing. Like I have to sit here and it's kind of blow your mind when you see people, you know, I, I travel quite a bit. So I get to see these other countries and see other things and how, people live and, and then I get back and I get on, you know, social yes. media and I see people complain about, <laughs> I woke up this morning and this is, so, and, and, then, yes. and then, you know what I mean? And then you, you, you watch the one, yes. ar- you know, the one arm guy that's missing his other leg, yeah. wheeling his cart to the corner market to try to make exactly. enough money to feed his family. And I mean, it's, it's insane. And you, you get on there and that's just got to be like, mind-blowing to you to yeah. see all these people just be like complain about the little petty things all the time when it's like, you have <laughs> exactly. no clue how good you have you know it. and people are always like why are you so positive why are you always so happy and I'm like why wouldn't I be you should if you only knew my story you know yeah. and people <laughs> people see yeah. me now and they're they yeah. think you know they make their own judgment they think I've had it together. I came from a rich family. I was, you know, raised with a silver spoon. I even had a comment once, um, one of my instructors, I, I don't know if you remember or know of empire, um, beauty school. So I used to be yeah. the director there and I was the youngest person out of all my staff, but I was their boss. And so I had, um, I had the, one of the instructors, um, she was talking about something and they were talking about being poor and stuff. And she goes, you probably don't know what that means. You were probably raised. Yeah. She goes, you were probably raised with a silver spoon. And I, t- I looked at her and I said, well, mm. we didn't have spoons. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, oh. some people just make their own assumption based on where you're at now, but they don't know like your journey and how, how and what it took for you to get there. You know, and and a lot of that. I mean, you, you're a very compassionate person. You, you're a people person, and the the things that you describe and how people mm-hmm. have treated you in the past, yes. you know, when you were working for them and the underappreciation and stuff. That's going to be so key to keep driving that success forward. It's how you you treat people mm-hmm. and how you truly love people. I'm I'm really good friends for people that don't know. Like one of your cousins is is one of my best friends, and uh, her wife and and the positivity, the energy, everything that, you know, it's just like you, you guys are very similar and just, just radiating positive energy. It's very good. It's wonderful for my, wonderful for my soul. Yes. yes. Um, And, you know, and I was her role model. So that's probably where she gets it from. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it's contagious. It's fantastic. And yeah, I, I, 
I wanted to, uh, I, I, gave, uh-huh. I gave you a heads up, uh, nonprofit that you want to give a shout out to. Uh, so every person that comes on the podcast, they pick something that's near and dear to their heart. They tell us a little bit about the organization and then uh, sure. give us the website and uh, listeners can awesome. jump on there and support yeah, them. Yeah, so my nonprofit um, choice would be Multicultural Education Group. They are a foundation that was created maybe about eight years ago, and the committee members kind of share the same similar story as I do here, and they created the um, organization. So originally, it was created so that way people could learn a little bit more about the Lao community, and then it's kind of expanded to like, wait a minute, we want to learn about all communities. So it's a it's an educational group that teaches diversity, and they hold a two-week camp every year. Of course, this year was postponed or canceled due to, due to COVID, but oh, they yeah. post about – it's been growing. Like, we're, we were at 100 children last year. So, um, you know, I volunteer to help out whenever I can, but it's a really great organization. They do a lot with the community and the children. They they teach them the different arts and craft from different cultures and so that they can embrace diversity. And they even bring in the police officers to teach about safety. They take them on field trips and, you know, they have the busing and everything. And they just have a really nice time with the kids um, while they're educating them on the importance of embracing your differences. And they have leadership training and things like that, too, for the members or for the children. And the teens. Beautiful. People can visit them at meof.org, yes. yep. correct? Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So, you guys, what's your next move? You guys going to keep growing? <laughs> you going to franchise? Right. Or what are you guys We're thinking? We're going to keep growing. And maybe one day, yeah, I, I do hope that one day, you know, I could. Um, create a blueprint for what I have here and then franchise it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. That'd be wonderful. And then now you guys, uh, you want to talk a little yeah. bit about your podcast? Uh, so my husband and I originally Blasian soul, uh, that word Blasian soul came from my husband's original idea. He was going to start like a, like a fusion restaurant of soul food and Asian food. <laughs> and so, um, that was his original. <laughs> that was I'm his sold. original idea, and so one day he just basically came to me, and we started talking about like, you know, what's going on in in the world, and it's kind of really hitting like the Asian and Black community in a way that it's like in the media a lot, and so there's different point of views, there's different viewpoints, and he's like, babe, why don't we do like a uh, podcast and name it Blasian Soul since I'm black and you're Asian. <laughs> so it's us two pouring our souls out to people, you know, to the audience or, and then learning also um, while we're also, while we're helping the minority and small business owners create their business or grow their business and have them on our podcast to share a little bit about their expertise and educate the community um, on different things. And so that's pretty much what our podcast is all about, helping small business owners, minority-owned businesses kind of showcase their business and help them grow, and as well as kind of bring up some of the um, 
things that are going on around the world, um, as you see in the media. So we love to see and hear different point of views. We love to listen and hear and be educated from different point of views and different guest members. Beautiful. So what's uh, the, just go on to what platforms is it on Spotify? It uh, is. Play, yes. All that yes, fun yes. Stuff. And since Blazing Soul, yeah, we're Blazian on, Soul, right? we're on um, yeah, since this is my first time, we've only been doing this for a few weeks. I still have to upload some more of the episodes. We do it live. Um, originally it was on Sundays and then now it's on. That's, that's dangerous <laughs> it doing it live. So it is. <laughs> Oh, Somebody yeah, can say right. some stupid no. shit. <laughs> but it's pretty, we try to keep it more professional, you know. So um, so we yeah. uh, yep. do it on Sundays. Um, but we've changed it to Wednesdays now because Sunday is kind of set away for family time, which we've noticed. So we changed it to Wednesdays yep. now. And they, we do it live. And then what I do is I also record an audio. So that way, that way I could um, upload it onto the the um, podcast platforms. So that's, yeah. So that's what we're, we're doing. Beautiful. I'm just behind on uploading and things like that. I've got other things going on. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yes. I, I like doing it. I like talking to people. I like getting people's stories out there. And I mean, it, it, gr- it grows really, really rapidly. I mean, we've been really, really blessed here that we've got, wow. you know, audience all over the world already. And we haven't even tried to advertise and why I have people give a shout out to their nonprofits is we don't monetize this at all right now. So what we're looking at doing is figuring out some way that we can do a couple ads here and there, but the money oh, goes nice. to a nonprofit instead of to us. So that's something we're trying to trying to figure out how to do with all the technology stuff because you don't right. want to bring it in as income and then write it back out. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> exactly. we'll, we'll figure exactly. all that fun stuff out. Yeah, so... I really appreciate you jumping on with me and thank you so, so much. I really, like I said, I, I love, love hearing stories like that. It makes me just Definitely. realize how blessed we truly are to be here and all the opportunities that we have that a lot of people don't take advantage of because, you know, you, when, when you're in a position that you, you if you don't do something, yes, you're yes. not going to advance. You have to do something, right? I mean, and, and that creates a lot more drive than somebody that's just like, well, I was born, I had this job, I, yeah. you know, my parents got money, I got this. So, I mean, when, when your back's against Absolutely. the wall, you tend to push a little bit harder. Absolutely. So. Yep. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little bit happier for the rest of the day and hopefully the rest of the it's week. It's my pleasure. And, yeah, I really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Time. Thanks for having me. Awesome. You too. Bye-bye. Next level. Next level. Next level shit. Next level shit. Next level. Next level. Next Level Shit Shit is brought to you by Next Level Armament. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please tell your friends, give us a review, and subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, Ringer, Dinger, you know, where you're listening to the show. Thanks for being with us today. Look for us uh, every couple of weeks. Peace out. Next Level Shit. Next level 